So, um, hey, Grace with me, okay? <laughs> so, kom ons maak so, dit gaan so al vermengel wees, so klein bykie van een mengel, alright? So, sê ek net die versies en dan gooi julle dit op, is julle recht vir my? Ek het nie vir hulle gegeen nie, maar, is julle recht? Okay, so, so Jesaja 57, vers 15, Geet het vir my Afrikaans en Engels, en dan Jesaja 66, vers 2 en 3. Jesaja 57, vers 15, en Jesaja 66, vers 2 en 3. Wow! So sê hy wat hoog, wacht het gauw man, ek wil wat ek met, 66, 2 en 3, maar, so sê hy wat hoog en verhewe is, hy wat ewig lewe, en wie sy naam die heilig is, ek woon in hoog en heilige plekke, en ek is by hom wat verdruk en nederig is, ek gee nieuwe kracht aan die nederig is, ek gee nieuwe kracht, aan die verdruktes. Het jy dit vir in Engels? Is hier net een knopje nie? Is dit? Ok, let me read it for you guys. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who has inhabited eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell. Where does he dwell? I dwell in high and holy places, and also with him who is contrite and lowly of spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isaiah 6, 6, vers 2 en 3. Ek het alles gemaakt. En so het alles ontstaan, sê die Heer. Ek slaan ach op die mens in nood, op die een wat berouw het oor sy sonde, wat ontzag het vir my woord. Die mense offer bille, maar hulle maak ook mense dood as offers. Hulle offer lammers, maar hulle breek ook honde. Sy nekke as offers, wauw. Kan ons 1 en 2 doen, asjeblief. Ok, so sorry. So sê die Heere, die hemel is my troon en die aarde die rustplek vir my voete. Hoe moet die huis dan wees wat jylle vir my bou? Die plek waar ek kan woon. Ek het alles gemaakt. En so het alles ontstaan, sê die Heere, ek slaan ach op die mense nood, op die een wat berouw het oor sy sonde, wat ons sag het, vir my woord. So we read the, so we see who's first. Ah, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is he saying? It's so interesting, you know, if you want to, ah, well the verse is in English, I'll just say that. So interesting, you know, even, even today. So we are so tempted in so many religions that we want to build the house of the Lord. 
They build temples, and in, in, for those of you that were in Russia, it's incredible the buildings that is built for God, the paintings, the effort, the money that is in it. It is so incredible. And then whatever temple is ever made for God, God looks at it and he said, are you serious? Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Who on earth do you think you are to build me a house? And he said it in the previous portion as well. But this is my house. This is where I love to stay. You look around and you look around and and Bergendal, and thinking, wow, wouldn't mind to stay there. God roams the earth. Where would I love to stay? And seriously, are you going to build me a temple, a building with paintings? I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth. No, I'm looking for a humble and a contrite heart. Amen. <laughs> so I see her say, I En as jy een reis wil hee, en sy huis lyk so, ek soek haar wat nederig is, wat weet dat sy hulp kom van die Heere. I'm just, just, I just want to leave that thought with you guys there. We, we will continue and consider, but I just want to leave that thought with you. Jesus wants to build a house. He likes to build a house. Or he likes to live in a house that is a humble heart, a heart that knows how much he needs God. How do you think he will order your life if that is the house that he's looking for? With everything in him, he's trying to build a house and find a place for him to stay. How will he work in your life to find that type of house? He'll surely make and cause you to become a dependent person. Sorry, guys. I, it's just too difficult to, to, to switch to Afrikaans. I will make sure if it's a difficult word that I'm going to switch it in Afrikaans. I just lose my rhythm the whole time. Sorry, man. Um, but... I, uh, a couple of years ago at TNT, um, we, we were fortunate enough to meet a girl, a lady that was in, in Wellington, that was a missionary to Libya. And in Libya, she was captured because she shared her faith with Jesus. She was a missionary. She, I don't know if she tried to evangelize, but they found her to be a missionary that wants to involve, advance the kingdom, and they threw her in prison for six months. Now, if you see this woman, it's like a true prim and proper Tani, right? And she got thrown into prison for six months in Libya for sharing her faith. And uh, it was so funny. Me, me and my wife had time with her, and she actually needed ministry, and she carried quite a lot of condemnation, worrying whether she really represented Jesus well. We were thinking, look, you're really one of the good kids, right? It's no problems there. In prison in Libya for Jesus, no worries there, you know. But she was hardcore, obviously. And uh, I asked her to teach her TNT once, and she asked this question in the beginning. She asked us, what do you think it means to be blessed? Now, I know 
I know. And you know what I'm going to say. You know I'm not going to say a big car and a big house. And you know if a missionary in Libya that was in prison for Jesus asks you, what does it mean to be blessed? You can't say provision or a house or something like that. That will be the wrong answer. All right? So I was like, all right, this girl is hardcore. She's asking us this question. What is it? And she says, it's very simple. Let's just consider. And she took us to the Beatitudes that you guys know so well, I think. And she said, let's just consider for a moment what it means to be blessed when Jesus calls you blessed. So let's go to Matthew, Matthias 5, vers 3 tot 12. Eerst in Afrikaans en dan in Engels. And the Stellamos guys need to hear the same thing. But I felt it was God, so. Gesiend, blessed, is die wat weet. Gesiend is die wat weet hoe afhankelijk hulle is, hulle van God is. Want dan hulle boer die koninkryk van die hemel. As ek vir jou kan vraag, as jy in die posiesie van afhankelijkheid is, is jou leven gesoot, Do you have all your ducks in a row wanneer jy in a posiesie van afhankelijkheid is? No, you're in a difficult situation. So blessed. Blessed are you. Geseend is jy. Geseend is die wat treer, want hulle sal vertroos wees. Wanneer treer een mens? You lost something. Anybody wants to be blessed? Geseend is die sagmoedig is, want hulle sal die nieuwe aarde ontvang. Geseend is die wat honger en doos na wat reg is, want hulle sal versadig word. Wanneer ek iets sien wat onrechtig is, en ek het een honger in my, die jou het een honger in om, vir die Afrikaner, en hy sien iets vir die Afrikaner, en hy sien die hardkoppigheid van die Afrikaner, en hy sien die godsdienstigheid, maar hy sien ook hoe ver is hulle van die Heer, en daar is een absolute honger in hom, een frustratie in hom. So blessed. But not content. I'm hungry and thirsty. Vers 7. Geseend is die wat barmhartig is, want hulle sal barmhartigheid bewys word. It's mercy is the English word. Blessed is the merciful. I wonder, when do we show mercy? A guy just gave me a new car and I will just show him mercy. When do I need to show mercy? When somebody treated me in a bad way and I choose not to judge the person or char- uh, uh, react to the person, but I choose to show mercy. Blessed are the merciful because you are of need of showing mercy. You are so blessed. Isn't it, isn't it a little bit difficult, different than how we see blessed? Geseend is die wat rein van hart is, want hulle sal God sien. Geseend is die vredemakers. 
When do we need to make peace? Wanneer moet ons vrede maak? Geseend is jy wanneer jy in die middel van een conflict is. It's like, that's what we do for breakfast. I mean, that's the greatest time of our lives. Geseend is jy, as jy vredemaker is, want jy is in conflict, en jy is in situasies wat moeilik is. Vir oogend, toe sê ek vir jou ons, vredemaking is so moeilik vir my. Moet ek konfronteer, Christy, <laughs> om vrede te maak? <laughs> of moet ik diplomatisch wees? Ek weet nie altyd nie. Maar as ek in conflict is, of in war, or in difficulty, to find ways to bring peace. Jesus didn't place me in paradise right then. He placed me in a very awkward conflict situation. But blessed are you. Thank you, Jesus. It's getting better, guys. It's really getting better. Vers 10. Geseend is die wat vervolg word. Omdat hulle doen wat recht is. Want dan hulle boor die koninkryk van die hemel. En hier kom het nou. Geseend is jylle wanneer die mense jylle terwille van my beledig en vervolg en valslik al wat sleg is van jylle sê. You are so blessed. Wees bly en verheeg, want jylle loon is groot in die hemel. Hulle immers het die profete voor jylle net so vervolg. And just, it shook me so much in everything that I would have understand from Christianity up till that time of saying, be blessed. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't take that one. But Jesus says we are blessed. I had a, I had a, um, we had a, last week I had a prayer meeting and, and uh, some of our guys were just sharing how difficult it is the fact that they don't know certain things. They were so unsure about their futures. They were so unsure where funds will come, where provision will come, they were just unsure. But it was this funny time while we were praying about this where it's usually people crying out for certain needs. Oh, Jesus, just please. Jesus, just please show me. It was not like that. It was like a thankfulness of Jesus. I don't know but you. And I, I felt like I wanted to add a beatitude if I could. And this is my beatitude, and I want to share this to you tonight. Blessed are you if you don't know. Blessed are you if you don't know where your provision will come from. Blessed are you if you don't know how you're going to come to the other side of that which God has called you for. Blessed are you if you don't know 
how things are going to come together. Blessed are you if you don't know the future. Elise, we want to know the future. <laughs> we like to order our lives. I know Elise for a long time, you know. And uh, there were a time in Elise's life. Yes, I'm picking on you tonight, right? <laughs> I know that, okay, I'll get it afterwards, you know. <laughs> but there was a time in Elise's life that things were pretty ordered and pretty planned. You know? <laughs> of how things will pan out and how things will play out. That's how she was in the way that she approached God, you know? And God was pretty keen to fall into her plans. See, but things changed. She realized she had to fall in with God's plans. And now she has this privilege that those that are born of the Spirit really are like the wind. You don't know where they're coming from, and you don't know where they're going. Blessed are you if you don't know. Woe unto you if you know. Because Jesus has called us to a life that is unpredictable and His predictability is so part of you that the path is plotted out so much that I don't know if you're in that position where Jesus can make a home. Blessed are you oh, if you don't have the answers. When I was young, I had the answers. Now I don't have the answers anymore. I thought I knew, Wally. I thought that is the path. I thought that is the way. I don't know anymore. But in the fact that I don't know, in some ways, all that I become or all that I have is Jesus. Paul is in this interesting position, right? If ever there was a guy that seems to be quite capable, he spoke of himself as, if anyone could keep the law, I was blameless. Give it to Paul. And then God comes and God, well, sends a messenger from Satan. That's an interesting command. Listen, devil, can you send someone over there to Paul? But it seems like God is releasing a messenger from Satan to make sure that Paul doesn't think too much of himself. And Paul is crippled. Where Paul could do things on his own, suddenly he couldn't. Now whatever the thorn is, all that I know is, Paul suddenly struck serious dependency. I can't do this anymore, God. I was taking serious scriptural liberty in Stellenbosch this morning, but I said, Paul is saying, God, I don't know. <laughs> Just give me the answer again. Let me know again. Make me secure again. And he cries out three times, Jesus, make me secure again. One, look, and Paul is like, God doesn't answer prayer. The guy thinks like, what on earth is going on? 
I mean, for us to get one answered prayer in a year, Paul doesn't get one answered prayer in his life and he freaks out because he's so used to answered prayer. But this one doesn't get answered. And he asks a second time. And he asks a third time. And then Jesus says to him, Paul, I'm enough for you. And Paul realized, oh, it's so much more blessed not to know. <laughs> it's so much more blessed to be in need. And from now on, God, from now on, let me rather stay in this position so that all that I have is my dependency on you. Jesus wants a house. And he lives in a house where he finds a dependent heart. <laughs> and everything that he does around us in some way is increasingly bringing us to that place. <sighs> Jesus had a way of teaching his people, and his favorite student was Peter. Right? There's an interesting, I, I, there's an interesting part in Matthew 16 and 17, in those two chapters, there's four instances where Jesus teaches Peter. And if you add chapter 14, it's five instances in a very close period of time where Jesus teaches Peter this lesson because Jesus wants to stay with Peter. And more than anything, that's what he wants to do in your life. In the first instances, you guys know very well, Jesus is in this, or not Jesus, the disciples is in this boat. You guys know the story. Jesus walks on water. They think he's a ghost. Ah, oh, ghost. And Jesus is like, no, 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 it's not a ghost. It's me. Peter, the ever opportunist, thinking, flipping out. If he can walk on water, I can walk on water. Jesus, if it's you. Jesus, if it's you. Tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. And you know, Peter. You know when we sometimes had that initial call from God or that initial stepping out from God. Sometimes we're young and crazy and we step out. But it's not that first step that's so crazy. It's that second step. And suddenly that boat is far and Jesus is far and the waves are here. What on earth did I do? I'm out here now. Like the boat is too far. And suddenly, Peter is all aware of the wind of the waves that's all over him. My wife once said, it's one of the most powerful things that she said, you know, Peter didn't walk on water. See, water has no substance to walk on. Peter walked on substance. Peter walked on the Word. He stood on the Word. And Jesus is teaching Peter and says, Peter, what is the word that's coming out today? Look unto me. Look unto me. Look unto me, Peter. What I'm teaching you is that the unseen is more real than the seen. Look at my word. But you know, some guys take a long time to lose their confidence. Peter is one of them. 
And so Jesus in chapter 16, it's one of my favorite portions. Wally knows it. He's heard me so many times preach, and he knows Matthew 16 has come out. But Jesus asked them a question. And if there was a classroom with the 12 disciples in, who do you think was the eager beaver that was sitting right in front and went like, ask me, ask me, ask me? It was Peter, right? And so Jesus is saying, okay, guys, what do the people say I am? It's like, oh, I've heard you said you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. And he says, like, who do you guys say I am? Peter's like, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yes, Peter, who do you say I am? You are the Son of God, the Messiah. And Jesus said to him, Oh, Peter, you're so blessed. And Peter looked at the rest of his buddies and go like, Blessed are you, Peter. But Peter didn't listen. You are not blessed because you got the right answer, Peter. You're not blessed because you figured it out, Peter. You are blessed because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. This has got nothing to do with your ability, Peter. Understand, everything that you have comes from me. You have had nothing from yourself. Blessed are you. Peter is just hearing, blessed are you, Peter. You got the right answer. And a new confidence come into Peter. And Jesus says to them, listen, guys. In a little while from now, I need to be crucified. It's going to be difficult. And Peter, with his newfound confidence, uh, figured the situation out. Whoa. Whoa, 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 Jesus. That's such a negative confession here. Where's your faith? Are you scared of these Romans? Not in Jesus. Oh, God's name, this will not happen. And Jesus said to him, look what Jesus said. Just after he said to him, you know what is your biggest test? You know, Andrew always says it. You will be testing your successes much more than you will be testing your failures. Because the problem is with your successes. Somehow you fall into the trap of thinking you've got anything to offer. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want to stay in that house. That's the problem. And Peter starts rebuking Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Get behind me, Satan. You are mindful of the things of man. You think like a man, Peter, all the way back. You try to figure this out and find the end from the beginning. Get behind me, Satan. But some guys take long <laughs> to get their confidence broken. And just the next portion, just the next verse, Jesus goes for a walk on the mountain. Peter would have been disappointed because Jesus actually takes two other guys with him, John and James, and they go up this mountain. I mean, this is just after, get behind me, Satan. And they walk up this mountain, and uh, Jesus starts shining white. And suddenly Elijah and Moses appear. And this, this is a golden moment here. And Peter immediately thinking, he's taking initiative here. This is a moment. We need to capture this. We need to build a theology around it. We can call it, I don't know, Calvinism, Arminianism. Let's just coin this thing. Let's make 
hot here. Let's make something that we can capture the moment of God. And he suggests, Jesus, let's make three huts for you, Moses, and Elijah. Listen, guys. Where before Jesus rebuked you and says, get behind me, Satan. I thought that was the worst thing that could ever happen to a man. But something even worse happened. The Father... from heaven i don't know have you ever been in a crowd and suddenly god the father starts speaking that everybody can hear it it's only happened three times in all of scripture when jesus got baptized just before his crucifixion and when he rebuked peter <laughs> he's the only person all of i don't know mankind that had an audible rebuke from the father in front of others this is my beloved son don't try and build huts to replace hearing Him. Don't try and build systems and structures to substitute dependency on Him. When Peter falls face down, man, he's out. And the Bible says when he looked up, he saw nothing but Jesus. <laughs> Peter, let that be a lesson to you now. There's going to be no, uh, no way out in this walk than remain eyes fixed and dependent on Jesus. But the last story is my favorite. There's a man that knocks on the door. Peter would never have opened the door. He's not the door open type of guy. He's more a guy that sits with Jesus and maybe gives suggestions of what he could do next. But a guy knocks at the door. You know who goes and opens up the door? Peter. Clearly, he's moved away from his position as now the doorman. And there stands a couple of guys that collect temple tax. And they say, listen, guys, you need to give your temple tax. If it was a chapter earlier, Peter would have said something, no or yes or whatever theology would have come up to because he knew. But Peter doesn't know anymore. And so he's saying, let me just go and ask someone inside, please. Jesus... <laughs> I don't know. There's a guy that's asking for temple tax. Now, Peter's thinking, I remember, even it's later in Matthew, when Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and they said, should be tax to Caesar, Jesus took a coin and said, look at the face. This face is Caesar, so give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But this is temple tax. You can't give Caesar's face to the temple, guys. So uh, P Peter goes and he's going, Jesus, um, should we go and give a temple tax? And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you think the son of the king needs to pay taxes? And Peter thinks to himself, no, he doesn't. I've got the answer. Jesus, whoa, 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 Peter. But so that we offend nobody, go and catch a fish. The first fish that you catch Take a coin out of the mouth of the fish and pay the temple taxes so that we offend nobody. You couldn't have figured out that one.
I wouldn't have got that answer right. Nobody would. But see, not only does Peter not know anymore, but Peter has lost his confidence. And here's my second beatitude. Blessed are you if you've lost your confidence. Blessed are you if you have lost your confidence. Because now finally God can start working with you. There's a guy, and some of you might have heard me speak about him, Moses. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting, in Acts 7, when Stephen speaks of the story of Moses, he says, to, he says about Moses, he says, For Moses was powerful in learning and mighty in speech. Moses got trained and lived in the most powerful house in the, on the planet on the White House of the day. He lived in the White House. He was in the most advanced universities, versity in the world, and he was powerful in speech. He was an orator. He was mighty in when he would speak. He had all the things his way. At the age of 40, Moses takes up the school with all the confidence of the world He's got the backing from the most powerful family in the world. He's got the most advanced education on the face of the planet. And he's a smooth, confident talker. And he takes it on itself, the scripture says, to free his people. And in the effort of freeing his people, he strives so much that he killed somebody. And so in the killing of a person, <laughs> he needs to start fleeing for his life. And he marries, he marries this woman. Her dad is a Median priest. And suddenly the most powerful man of his age suddenly finds himself at his father-in-law's house. And his father-in-law gets kind of edgy with this boy that her daughter has married. It's like, but useless. So finally he gets a little job before him. Listen, Moses, I've got a bunch of sheep. You know, would you mind just looking after it for me? Look, for any, any man here, you get pretty, you get pretty, uh, pretty desperate. Oh, it's, a, it's a quite a big knock to a man's confidence. If you can find any way to look after your family, and at the end your father-in-law have to step in and get you a little jobby by looking after his sheep, not for one year, but for 40 years. And 40 years God takes until Moses has no confidence. Uh, and he stutters. He's got nothing. And God says, oh, my vessel is ready. I've got somebody that can set my people free. Finally, he doesn't know. 
finally he's lost his confidence. Finally he knows that the only thing that will ever help him is me. And when Moses is standing a stone throw away from the promised land, and everybody can just say, come on Moses, let's take it, it's there. Be visionary, be front-footed, let's do it. Moses says, I've learned. <laughs> I've learned. I don't go anywhere unless the presence of God goes with me. I have nothing but the presence of God. And so I want to I speak to you tonight that don't know. Don't know where on earth am I going. That don't know what is the answer. How am I going to get out of this position? That don't know should I go left or should I get right. Should I be confronting or should I be diplomatic? Should I be peaceful or should I be strong? What should I do? I don't know. I want to speak to you that has lost your confidence. And I want to say, blessed are you. For God is finally finding a vessel that He can use. Can I pray 